Hey gang, this is Lisa Peck, and welcome to Revive with Lisa Peck podcast. I am so excited about helping you learn how to be more relationally attuned. In a world filled with struggles and conflict and tension, I hope to make relational health fun and easy. Not all of us need therapy, not all of us can afford therapy, but I believe all of us can grow more wise and insightful and engaging in the connections we have with ourselves, with others, and with our God. I'm convinced that all of us can learn the art of calm, of awareness, and of investing relationally. Through my podcast, I hope to give you an opportunity to listen and maybe even practice with your own people. And in so doing, together, we get to help usher in a relational revival. Welcome to Revive with Lisa Peck. Well, last week I had a discussion with my friend Marshall Lyles about reflective functioning. He is such a wealth of information. It was good to be reminded, for example, that if I'm a thinker, my end point cannot be my thoughts. I have to continue to press through to discover the emotion behind those thoughts. I can hold both thoughts and emotions in my awareness at the same time. Or, like's true for me as a feeler, my end point does not stop with my emotions. I must continue the internal work to examine the thoughts behind those emotions. It's both thoughts and feelings, not either or. This is just one of the incredible points Marshall made in last week's interview. If you missed it, do yourself a favor and take a listen. If you did listen in, then I hope you're as excited as I am to get on with that interview. Our chat went way too long to put it into one podcast, so I split it into two. This week, we're picking up where we left off, albeit rather abruptly, to discuss what to do to encourage others to do this internal work. Where does God fit into the mix of self-awareness, as well as Marshall's final suggestions? I really hope you enjoy listening as much as I enjoyed interviewing him. If you were an outside person, again, most of our listeners are not going to be well-trained in kind of therapeutic processes, but you, how would you coach somebody who maybe sees somebody that's anxious and clingy or somebody who is avoidant dismissive? Uh, what, what invitation could somebody take to help another become more reflective in their functioning? So, yeah, what a big question, right? Um, so the first first thing is to maybe develop um, some awareness of how you're using your body, your tone of voice, your um, mannerisms to communicate um, instead of listening to what you think you're saying. Mm. And so that, you know, really, if, if there are some people in your life that are trusted that you can invite into that process with you, of mm-hmm. uh, hey, I'm, I'm really needing you to you know, help me know when, um, you know, the, the words, uh, my message that's happening in my words and my message that's happening non-verbally are not completely congruent. Mm-hmm. Um, because when people are given incongruent messages verbally and non-verbally, they're going to more often than not listen to the non-verbal. Mm. Um, and ironically, we're less aware of our non-verbal typically. Right. Um, and so we, like, we're, we just have to invite some degree of awareness into that. Um, situation and that often comes out of having cultivated time with ourselves. Mm. So, 
don't be afraid of getting help. Don't be afraid of joining a group, of going to therapy, of journaling, of, you know, reading a powerful book. Um, but something has to be more felt. You know, we really have to move into um, contact with, with ourselves as a result of any of the actions. The, those, those actions, those steps done outside of awareness are not going to lead you to a place of, of fulfillment. Mm. Okay, permission to stretch you. <laughs> <laughs> you love that question. And you have permission to just flush this all down the toilet. However, where does God fit in to this for you? What a good question and stretching indeed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for, for me, um, I um, still believe that, that God is this ultimate source of security. If I can separate him from the interactions I've had with people who were meant to represent him. Um, I have to really notice my inner world of when I'm having a reaction um, um, based on, you know, toward a secure God, which is often revealing, like sometimes it's coming into contact with his security that I find some of my struggle. And then other times it's coming into reaction with the insecurity of people who have been meant to represent him that have failed um, me in some way that I'm having a reaction with. And so I have to, I have to sit and sort through, is this about, you know, people who I maybe have been wounded by, or is this about my own inner representation? Um, and so when I can find my way back to the security of what I believe in and who I believe he is, then, um, I, I have, I have access to knowing something that I would not have had otherwise. But that's hard for me. I mean, honestly, you asked the question that is definitely mm-hmm. um, the pinnacle of like, I, where I hope I'm headed, but it, it sometimes feels very, very much full of valleys that I'm, I'm sitting in. And I think I, I appreciate your candor because I think especially I, I live in the South and where the the Bible Belt has, I think it's been given a bad rap, but it's also become just a trite saying where people just kind of do their religion and it doesn't have anything to do with a real relationship. And, and I'm not even talking salvation. I'm talking the process of knowing who I am and knowing who he is as I'm coming to know others. And I think it's hard for many of us to press in to that place because so often God has been very misrepresented or we read in the word and don't understand what is being spoken and take interpretations from it that that are really not accurate at all and it is it is complex for me the the reflexive functioning has probably happened more in my quiet solitude and stillness than in my relationships which is probably a little unique given I'm such an extrovert but it's when I finally just pressed in to 
how afraid I have been of really developing a, an emotional intimacy with the God of my understanding that I have, yeah, I've been able to go to some of the scariest places in my trauma story and there is redemption there. And that's ultimately the hope. Like you said, we grow more secure. And I, isn't that what the majority of us are longing for, to just feel comfortable in our own skin, in our own space, allowing other people to do the same thing? It, it is, and I, I am noticing um, th- that your irony matches mine and, mm-hmm. and the places that I actually feel the most safe um, expressing some of my my spiritual angst and mm-hmm. and frustration right now are in some really dear friendships. Yes. And and so while I'm typically prefer to process internally, uh, that that my my probably you know deepest connection and healing um, and in the spiritual world right now is happening externally with you know just a safe two or three people. Sure. And I don't have to stay in it for too long. But just being able to acknowledge real emotion and in that realm of anger, hurt, hope, um, how all of those things get to coexist, that I don't have to constantly be deciding which emotion is most true, um, that they all have a place, they all have something to tell me, um, they're all allowed. Uh, and, And then in those relationships, watching someone being able to contain that with me is helping me find my way back to um, possibility. Um, so it is funny how we're each wired and, and, and what a step towards faith and healing requires going a little bit outside of our natural bent. Mm-hmm. And yet it's, again, our, our paths cross where we're, we're the opposite and yet we're very, very similar. And I think that's true of many of us if we take the time to look. Uh, I also think is just in hearing you communicate, I know, you know, Brene Brown has done such a great job with shame. um, And and she talks about the significance of self-acceptance and self-compassion. And I've taken those two concepts and tried to flesh them out in some of the therapeutic groups that I do, but also just in my own private work. And what does that look like and sound like? You know, I have not, that was not the culture of my home. Um, except with a very few, maybe my grandmother was the only one who offered any acceptance and a modicum of comfort. So it's a foreign concept. But the people in my circle, those safe ones to process some of this with, as you mentioned, you've got, you've got a sacred, you know, one or two or three. I do also. Those people provide a venue for me to be able to explore what I'm most scared of with security. So it's it's almost like that childhood relational template is again being redeemed in that context if I'm willing to risk that. That's well said. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you have it. I'm glad I have it. And I hope that my listeners will grow to develop that or, or give a lot of thanks for the people they do have in their space for it. So, you know, Marshall, I could talk to you for hours and hours. In fact, where I'm probably going to, you know, put on the schedule our next conversation. And this one may have gone so long that I'm going to have to divide it into two, a part one and a part two. But uh, is there anything 
I, I have heard you say, develop awareness. Cultivate time for yourself. Is there anything else that just from the trenches or even in your professional experience, you would encourage our listeners who are just brand new to this to just give them a little bit of hope and encouragement as they're starting? Yeah, I, 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 in, in the presence of such a heavy topic, what, what comes to my mind, and it's, it's really hard to prescribe this, but gosh, have a little fun, mm-hmm. you know, have something in your life that makes you laugh. Um, even in times when, um, you know, you're, you're feeling a little dark, um, and, 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 and it might not be that we get as much joy from something as we used to, you know, don't be afraid to take a step towards the irreverent and the funny or the, <laughs> the playful, you know, have, have something in your life because sometimes it's a choice to step back to that. And sometimes that feels really painful to engage with, um, but or disingenuous. Little, yeah. Disingenuous. Yes, disin- yeah. Absolutely. And, and it's okay for it to not feel um, perfect or like it used to, to, to give it a try. And can we just talk about how we've talked for like 30 minutes and you and I have not made um, any inappropriate jokes. Uh, there have not been any swear words. I know. There, like, what, what is, is the matter with us? us? I know. I was thinking we got to do a swing around. We should talk about those longhorn cattle that can't stand beside each other. They can only stand end to end. Because their horns keep them away and how sad that makes you. I laughed about that for weeks, Marshall. That is hilarious. Oh, I do. I do just love humor and entertaining myself. The other thing from the trenches that is so important for me is find a way through um, practicing gratitude. Yeah. if, If you really want to kind of overcome some of the neurobiology of insecurity and self-protection and to open yourself back up to see relational possibility. There is nothing like the, the neurobiological circuitry that, that lights up when gratitude is entered into. And so just notice something beautiful and see how long you can notice it and how long you can describe it to yourself. Notice something that you're curious about and and narrate to yourself why it's amazing that that thing is existing. Uh, just, just interact with gratitude. Speak it to someone, what you appreciate about them, where, wherever you can start, um, because that creates some, some um, patterns in your mind that allow for safety to feel possible. And when you start to contemplate safety, you're a step closer towards being relational. Wow. Such incredible wisdom. Man, thank you so much. I am I'm already looking forward to our next podcast, Marshall. You are the best. Thank you so much. Oh, I appreciate you more than you would ever know, friend. I'm not sure I can adequately describe how fun that was. The thoughts and insights Marshall shared have me delighted and convicted. Like when he invited us to involve a few other safe enough people to speak into our lives in case what we think we are saying isn't actually the way we are being experienced. 
I remember once several years ago, my niece was with me and Carl on a family trip. She had this passion to capture me in photos and on voice memos when I was least expecting it. She thought it was hilarious. She played back for me one such occurrence. You guys, the tone of my voice was awful. Truly, I would have earned the Queen of Snit Award that day. I sounded condescending and incredibly critical of Carl. I was shocked. I wasn't feeling irritated, and certainly I wasn't thinking evil, passive-aggressive thoughts about him. I turned around and asked, do do I really sound like that? He was kind in his response. Not all the time. And he held my gaze. Gulp. We don't know what we don't know. But after that trip, I invited several of the friends of mine from my inner circle to watch and listen to the way that I was relating to Carl, well, and to others. Now, I had to really encourage them because many were afraid that they would hurt my feelings. But we cannot grow healthier if we limit ourselves to our own impressions of ourselves. We have to be willing to risk. I think that's why Marshall emphasized that we need to develop awareness. Get into counseling, join a therapy or a support group, journal, read a thought-provoking book, invite others into your process, have a discussion. So that's the first of the four suggestions he made, develop awareness. The next suggestion that he made was cultivate time for yourself. Unless we slow down from our frenetic pace, we will struggle to develop a greater internal insight, let alone hear the voice of the one who knows us better than we know ourselves. It struck me when he said, I still believe God is the ultimate source of security if I can separate him from the interactions I've had with other people who were meant to represent him. Some of us have not had God represented accurately and therefore do not see him as a source of security. Honestly, that's a thought worth pondering for a while, internally and externally with your safe people. But for most of us, we are going to struggle to even be aware of those internal beliefs and their origins if we don't slow down and take some time for ourselves just to rest. I loved Marshall's third suggestion. Have a little fun. Do something silly or fun. In my experience, children are fantastic at this if they aren't surrounded by proper adults regularly correcting their antics. I remember an insightful observation from one of our closest friends. He said after uh, taking his five or six-year-old son with a bunch of his buddies bowling for the little guy's birthday, he noticed that when one knocked down pins, they all jumped up and down, cheering and hugging one another. If another got a gutter ball, they dropped on the floor in dramatic disappointment. They easily expressed their emotions openly with one another and had a blast doing it. My friend then asked, I wonder when we grow out of that. Again, that is also worth pondering for a while. Finally, Marshall ended with one of the main ways we can open ourselves up to relational possibilities, to overcome the neurobiology of insecurity and self-protection, and that is gratitude. I loved his idea to notice something beautiful and see how long we can notice it or describe it to ourselves. This is something else kids do really, really well. They can become completely enamored with a bug or a piece of lint. It's truly incredible. They have such wonder and awe of the world around them. Like my friend said, I wonder when we grow out of that. 
I'm guessing that's why this guy I know says that unless we become like little children, we will never enter the kingdom of God. I'm a strong supporter of increasing our gratitude. And I didn't even know that it could change our neurobiology. In my experience, it can change the atmosphere of a room, of our hearts, of our very attitudes. You know, given Marshall's emphasis on gratitude and its impact on our brain, I want to take a minute to thank multiple people in my world without whom I would not have this podcast. It's not in any kind of order, but I am so very grateful for so many. Let me start with my sisters-in-law, Emily and Christine. Emily simply sat in the same room with me while I was trying to traverse the steep learning curve. I asked her, would you just come over and hold my hand? And she did. Emily, thanks for your patience. The other one, Christine, who has been doing podcasts of her own for over two years. Check out Straight From The Heartland. And she encouraged and coached and answered countless questions. I am so grateful for my web designer and brand development person, Andrea Wilhelm, not just for the incredible work she did on the website and brand development, but for making the graphics for the podcast and making them really pretty easy to upload. Will Neely, man, I so appreciate. He was the one to initially teach me on the equipment and the software platforms, as well as his sister-in-law, Kimberly Neely. You know, Kimberly may have been the first person to actually think I could do these podcasts. Thank you, Kimberly. Judah Walker and his team are the intro music guys. Man, amazing job. I am beyond grateful for those two countless to name for praying for me. My inner circle friends, my brother, my sister, and I'd like, I think I probably have the greatest fan in my husband. And what a fantastic collection of people that I am privileged to know and with whom to work. Gratitude changes our perspective from scarcity to plenty. We stop focusing on what's missing and we start noticing all that we have. It's a game changer. So what about you? What have you gleaned from today's podcast? What might need to grow or develop in your life? How about this week? If nothing else, we all practice increasing our gratitude. Try appreciating someone in your family and try appreciating a complete stranger. Stop when you see something colorful and hold your gaze there for 20 or 30 seconds. If you want to stretch, invite someone who's earned the right to speak the truth to you, the opportunity to share honestly how he or she experiences you, especially when you're in a season of stress. Try to receive their observations as helpful to you, not something you have to guard against. Say nothing except thank you. Then journal about the experience. Take a couple of days and return to the journal for another look. Note the difference in your thoughts or feelings. Was what your friend shared true? This is reflective functioning. All right, I think I have given you enough to think about as well as plenty of action steps to get you through this week. If any of you want to talk to Marshall further about reflective functioning or attachment, or if you'd like him to come to speak to your ministry or organization, you can reach him at marshalliles.com. He is a treasure. Speaking of treasure, our next podcast is with one of my favorite treasures, Jenna Bell. 
Since this is our month on focusing on increasing our self-awareness, I've invited her to talk with us about the art of journaling. It's something Marshall recommended as an action step with reflective functioning, so I thought I'd have her come and share. She has been doing it for over 13 years and has over 50 journals. The girl knows what she's talking about. I'd also like to remind you about the Revive Workshop that I mentioned in last week's podcast that I'm doing here in Huntsville, Alabama on Saturday, September 29th from 10 to 1. It's called The Journey to Joy, where we're going to be focusing on healing up those tender places that we all have in our lives where we carry pain or offense that's now turned to resentment or bitterness. I'm going to be offering lunch and seating is limited. You can register on the website, revivewithlisapeck.com. So gang, that's it for today. Finally, I want you to remember the words of Paul Young, author of The Shack. Every human being is holy ground, if we have the eyes to see it. Until next time.